He was there in the beginning. He was with God, and He was God. He picked up some dirt, breathed life into it, and called us good. He spent time with us, He talked with us, walked through the garden with us. Made as God's reflection, He gave us an identity and called us son and daughter. He showed us His kingdom and gave us the keys. But we fell. Like stones through water, like fruit from a tree. And though we didn't earn it or deserve it, He stayed with us, spent time with us. He showed us His face in fire and dreams and rain. And in a whisper, He drew near to us. Even though we struggled and turned away, He promised us a rescuer. And while we waited, He freed slaves for us, fought giants for us, tamed lions and flames, conquered nations for us. He breathed life into our dry bones like the dirt that we came from. And God so loved that dirt that He sent His Son at the perfect time to become one of us. Ten fingers, ten toes to get in our mess with us. We ate together, talked together, walked together, each step revealing the face of God. He fed us, He healed us, He raised us from the dead and opened our eyes. He started a revolution with the sound of His voice. He invited us to walk on water, but we feared the waves. We felt the wind and we rejected Him. The day turned black, the earth shook, and with a last breath, it was finished. The perfect sacrifice sent to save us, lying in a grave. But it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning, because He rose from the dead. Death lost its grip. The resurrected God gave us His Spirit. Our identity restored, our relationship reconciled, our purpose redeemed. Because His life flows through us, the slaves have been freed, the giants defeated, our storms have been calmed and our failures forgiven. Because of Him, we have overcome. We have been adopted by a loving Father and His victory is our victory. We stand strong and tall together like a tree by the water, roots deep beneath the soil, bearing fruit in every season. Sin is defeated. Hope is resurrected. Love is a person and He knows my name. And I know His. All right, hey everybody, welcome to Valley Creek Church. We are so glad that you're here with us. Whatever campus you may be at today, maybe you're in Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue and extension site are watching online somewhere in the world. Can we just welcome each other together for a moment? Whether this is your first time here with us, maybe you haven't been in a while, maybe you've left and just recently come back, maybe you're here every single weekend, it really doesn't matter. 
We are so glad that you are here with us today because we're here to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're here to celebrate who he is and what he did for us. And I'm just saying, anybody that can predict their own death and resurrection is worth celebrating. So welcome to the party. You see, I don't know what you think of when you think of Easter, but here's what Easter is not. Easter is not the sad, sorrowful, religious tradition. It's a celebration. Like when lost things are found, dead things come back to life, hope is restored and victory is won. How can you not celebrate? I mean, that's why we're drawn to Easter year after year. It's like there's almost something supernatural that draws us back to it. You can go the entire year and not think much about God, have no engagement with church, but Easter comes around and we're drawn to it. Because the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God has put eternity in our hearts. In other words, he has put the desire for life in our hearts. And that's why we're always drawn back to the hope of Jesus. And so we make Easter a big deal. We make Easter a big deal both as individuals and as the church. Like I bet this week you put a lot into this week. As a family, you had to think about where you're going to go and what you're going to do and what service you're going to attend and where you're going to eat. And you probably talk to extended family that you don't talk to much throughout the year. And you got to get the perfect outfit so you can get the family picture and the right selfie with the right filter so it looks good. And you get lots of likes and Easter baskets and candy and all that stuff, right? We put a lot into it as individuals. We also put a lot into it as a church. Like Easter is our biggest service of the year and we planned for it for months. Like we wanted to be perfect and get it just right. And so we put teams together to create these epic killer videos. And we put teams together to come up with the right relevant music. And we've got to have this message that is funny, profound and inspiring. And we want this thing to be this awesome, amazing wow factor experience. And we walk in wanting to hear something we've never heard before and see something we've never seen before because we want it to be amazing. And while there's nothing wrong with all that stuff, it is so easy to lose what it's really all about. You see, Jesus is enough. Jesus is more than enough. And that's really all I got for you today. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've walked in on an Easter service and thought we need to add something to Jesus to help people believe in Jesus. As if you can add something to the story of the death, burial and resurrection of the son of God, like Jesus plus an epic video, Jesus plus the perfect song, Jesus plus a profound message. And we spend so much time building the picture frame that we forget to look at the picture. We spend so much time evaluating the picture frame, we forget to enjoy the picture. But that's what we do in life, isn't it? Jesus plus something. Jesus plus the perfect circumstances. Jesus plus the perfect job. Jesus plus the perfect relationships. Jesus plus the right amount of money. And we we think it's Jesus plus something, but Jesus is more than enough. He is the most relevant thing in your life. I mean, if you'll just look at the stories of Jesus when he walked on this earth, what's fascinating to me about Jesus is he had no glitter, he had no sparkle, he had no shine. There was no neon sign that hung over him, pointing, pointing everyone towards him. In fact, the Bible tells us there was nothing in Jesus's appearance that would have physically drawn us to him. He spent 30 years hidden as a carpenter. 
He often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He spent most of his ministry outside of the city. When he did miracles for people, he would tell them to be quiet and not go tell a bunch of other people. He was constantly driving the crowds away. It wasn't Jesus plus anything. It was just Jesus. And that was more than enough. You see, we weren't drawn to the show. We were drawn to his heart of kindness and love for us. We were drawn to the servant king's invitation to rule over our broken hearts. We were drawn to him because he is enough. You see, our theme this year as a church is to get rooted in Jesus so we can flourish in life. It's an entire year where we're just talking about going back to the basics, back to actually building a relationship with God, resting on, receiving from, and trusting in Jesus, moving past identifying with Jesus to actually connecting to Jesus, to believe that Jesus really is more than enough. And like a tree that is well-rooted, it's healthy and it's fruitful in the soil, when we get rooted in Jesus, we will flourish in life. The only problem is, is we get rooted in everything else. Because we don't really think Jesus is enough and we really don't think he's all that relevant to our lives. So we get rooted in money and we get rooted in work and, and hobbies and addictions and activities and sports and even religion. The only problem is, is those things never deliver on what they promise, do they? They leave you feeling dry and weary and burdened. When you lose connection with the source of life, you will always lose your life. And so Jesus is inviting us to just come back home, to rest on, receive from and trust in him. In fact, the Apostle Paul, the guy who writes most of the New Testament, a lot of the complex, confusing theological things, we're really not sure what he really means by them all. He says, let me simplify it all for you. And in 2 Corinthians eleven three, he says, but I am afraid that as the servant deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. In other words, he says, let me simplify the whole thing for you. It's this, don't lose your awe and wonder for Jesus. Don't lose the simplicity of the life that you have in Christ. Jesus is more than enough. He says that was Eve's problem. She didn't think Jesus was enough, so she wanted to go get in the world what she already had in God. She ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one thing God told her she couldn't have because she didn't think that Jesus was enough. So she took what she wanted and lost what she needed. She tried to get through performance, what she had freely received by grace, and we've been doing the same thing ever since. See, she didn't think that Jesus was relevant to her daily life. And let's be honest, she's not the only one, is she? One day, Jesus and his disciples were walking along like they always were. And Jesus looks at the disciples and he asks them a really simple question. He says, uh, hey, guys, he says, who, who do the people say that I am? Kind of caught the disciples by surprise because he had never asked them that question before. So they had to stop and think about all the different things they've heard the crowd say about who Jesus is over the time they've been together. And so finally, one of them steps forward and says, well, Jesus, some say you're like John the Baptist. Some say you're like Elijah. Others say you're like Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. In other words, Jesus, some people say you're a good man. Some people say you're a miracle worker. Some people say you're a good teacher. And some people say you're a religious guy. In other words, they say, I'm sorry, Jesus. The people don't really think you're enough. They don't really think you're relevant to their lives. They've kind of pushed you to the side. Jesus says, okay. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? He had never asked them that question before. And so the disciples had to stop and they had to think about it. And I bet like a movie rolling in their mind, they started to think about all the different encounters they've had with Jesus. 
I bet you they thought about the first time Jesus came and found them and called them by name when nobody else wanted them. I bet they thought about all the times that they were lonely and he gave them friendship and companionship. I bet they thought about watching Jesus heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and give sight to the blind. I bet you they thought about the times that Jesus calmed the wind and the waves and walked on water. They probably thought about how Jesus taught them things they had never heard before, how he was kind and compassionate to their failures, about how he made them feel so loved and so alive. And so Peter stepped forward and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, he says, Jesus, you are our everything. You're more than enough. In fact, in John chapter six, when a big crowd of people is leaving because they don't think Jesus is all that relevant to their life, Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, hey, you want to go too? And they say, Jesus, to where else would we go? You are the most relevant thing in this world. I wonder if Jesus showed up today and asked us those two questions, how we would respond. Like if he just showed up in your life and said, hey, like who do the people say that I am? I can promise you, you've heard a lot of different people say a lot of different things about Jesus. And like the disciples, you would stop and you could think about it. And maybe you had a teacher who told you Jesus was a historical figure. Maybe you had a friend who told you Jesus is like a genie in a bottle. And if you get it just right and pray just the right prayer, you might get something good. Uh, Maybe your parents told you that Jesus was a religious guy. Maybe a churchy person told you he was a rule enforcer. Maybe your grandma told you Jesus was the way to heaven. If you just pray this prayer as a little kid, then you'll be saved and grandma will feel good no matter what bad choices you make for the rest of your life. (laughs) You've heard a lot of things about Jesus. But then Jesus would say to you, but who do you say that I am? In other words, he would ask you, am I enough? Am I relevant in your life? You see, that answer is the most important question you'll ever answer. And all of life is a journey to actually answering that question. And that's why we're here today. You see, what I want you to understand is that Easter is more than a holiday and Jesus is more than just a ticket to heaven. Easter is the most relevant story in your life and Jesus is the most relevant thing in your life because Easter was the beginning of new life and Jesus is your life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, Luke 19.10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. In the original language, the Greek, which the Bible was written in, the word seek and save is the word zateo and sozo. Zateo means passionately pursue. Sozo means save, heal, make whole. In other words, Jesus says that he came to passionately pursue everything that was lost to save it, heal it, and make it whole. You see, I'm convinced we have a very inferior view of Easter salvation and Jesus. We have this really low view Like we think Jesus came just to die so you and I could go to heaven one day. That's a really inferior view. And if the inferior view is still good, imagine how good the accurate view might actually be. Like here's the deal. Jesus didn't come so you could get to heaven someday. He came so you could have the peace of heaven today. He didn't come and die so you could have eternal life then. He came and died so you can have abundant life now. He came to passionately pursue everything in your life that is lost because he wants to restore to you the fullness of life. So the question is then this. What in your life right now needs to be saved, healed, or made whole? Where is the grace of Jesus relevant to you 
today. And it's more relevant than you know. Like, listen to this. Titus chapter 2 says, God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. Okay, pause. Grace is not a theological concept. It's not a churchy word. He's a person, and his name is Jesus. And that grace is available for every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And what you need to understand is that Jesus was an overpayment for your sins. He wasn't just enough. He was an overpayment. He was more than enough. When Jesus died, he not only canceled your debt, he credited your account. He forgave your sins and he gave you his entire life. Like it was such an overpayment that it not only forgive your sins, but it like spills over and flows into this empowerment that you may fully live, which is why the next verse says this same grace teaches us how to live each day. Pause. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that empowers you to live free today, right now in this moment. The same grace that gives you eternal life gives you abundant life. Jesus's grace is more than enough. It's not a history, it's not a holiday, it's not just about getting to heaven, it's empowering you to live free. We have got to stop separating the grace of Jesus from the daily realities of our life. It's more than enough. And it's more than a guy on a cross so you could get to heaven someday. So you could live free today. That's why it says this same grace The grace that saves you teaches you how to live each day as you turn your back on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles, the bondage that we get trapped in. And it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Freedom. For we continue to look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Anointed One. He sacrificed himself that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are eager to do his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. The same grace that saves you empowers you to live free today. So if you're here and your marriage is falling apart, Jesus is your help. If you're in a financial problem, Jesus is your provision. If you've got anxiety, depression, or worry, Jesus is your peace and he is your calm. If you've got a barrier, Jesus is your breakthrough. You got a problem, Jesus is your wisdom. You got an addiction, Jesus is your freedom. You're lonely, Jesus is your friendship. Anything that's happening in your life today, Jesus is the grace and the answer for that thing. So the question, The question then is, where are you hurting? Where are you broken? What in your life is lost? Maybe it's that thing you haven't told anybody else about. Maybe a handful of people know about it. Maybe it's something that's been plaguing you for years. Yeah, that thing, that's the thing that the grace of Jesus is for. The same grace that saves you is the grace that wants to free you, heal you, or make you whole in that area today. I mean, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression in your weakness. In other words, every step, every breath, every relationship, every day, the grace of Jesus is there to be relevant for you. And the more I walk through this life, the more I am convinced of my own desperate need for the grace of Jesus every day. 
It's not set it and forget it. It's not I did the Easter thing. It's not I prayed the prayer. It's not I get the cross. No, no, no. It's about the cross is here and now today because it overflowed and filled my life. You see, the story of Jesus is our story. And the reason we think Easter is just a holiday and Jesus is just a way to heaven that's irrelevant for our lives is because we've separated from the larger context. If you really want to get it, you got to put it back into the context of the story of humanity. Like you got to go all the way back to the beginning because in the beginning was God. And he created the heavens and the earth and the plants and the animals and the sun and the moon and the stars. And he created man in his image and his likeness. And God came down and he took some dirt and he formed Adam's body and he breathed into him. And the first breath that Adam took and opened his eyes, he was looking in the face of love. From the first breath he took, he knew he was a beloved son who was wanted, accepted, and significant with a heart to create and pioneer and live as a servant leader. That's why we spend our lives pursuing those things because we were made for them. We just look for them in all the wrong places. And so God says to Adam and Eve, Genesis 1:28, first thing he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it using its vast resources in the service of God and man. In other words, be fruitful. Like bring things to the fullness of their potential and multiply. Reproduce the life of God in you and the world around you. Fill the earth or your area of influence with the knowledge of the glory of the goodness of God. Subdue things, bring order to chaos, and then use your resources to accomplish God's purposes in the lives of men. They were empowered to rule and reign with God. And there was only one thing he told them they couldn't do. Eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the center of the Garden of Eden, there's two trees. The tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Tree of life is a picture of Jesus. But they didn't think he was relevant and he wasn't enough. So they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A picture of religion, a picture of performance, a picture of doing things on our own. And the moment they did, they died. They died spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and physically. And they gave all the authority God gave to them to Satan. And they spent their lives, we've spent our lives wandering the earth and we've messed up Genesis 1.28. Instead of being fruitful, we became consumers. Instead of multiplying, we started dividing. Instead of filling the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the goodness of God, we started to fill our lives with the things of this world. Instead of subduing things, we brought chaos to things. And instead of using our resources to accomplish God's purposes in the lives of men, we started using God and men to go out and get a bunch of resources. And yet God never gave up on us. He was patient and he was kind and he set things in motion and everything started pointing towards Jesus. You see, every story you've ever heard of in the Old Testament, it's a prophetic picture of Jesus. It was pointing for what was to come. Like maybe you've heard of Noah's ark. The flood was going to come on the earth and God tells Noah to build this wooden boat and whoever got in it would be saved. It's a picture of Jesus. Whoever grabs a hold of the wooden cross shall be saved. Maybe you've heard of Moses. God raises up Moses and deliver to confront Pharaoh to set all of the Egyptian or the Israelite slaves free and bring them to a promised land. That was a picture of Jesus. That God was going to raise up Jesus as the deliverer to confront Satan once and for all, set us free and bring us into an abundant life. Maybe you've heard about all these killing of the animals, sacrifices, and you're like, what on earth is that? It's called a Texas barbecue in the Old Testament. They were hungry. No, it was a picture. That Jesus would be the final sacrifice once and for all. Maybe you've heard of David and Goliath, a little shepherd boy against a nine-foot giant, takes a slingshot and a stone in it, fires it, hits Goliath in the head and kills him. It was a picture that Jesus, one man on a cross, was going to defeat the entire kingdom of darkness. 
And it was a stone because it was a picture that Jesus was going to so fulfill the law, the Ten Commandments written on the stone tablets, that he was going to completely disarm and disable Satan's rule over our lives. Everything pointed towards Jesus. And then he came. John 1.14, he moved into our neighborhood with grace and truth. He got in our pain. He felt our mess. He faced every temptation you've ever faced, and yet he passed every test. He raised the dead, healed the sick, gave sight to the blind. He showed us the heart of God. He showed us the way of heaven. And then he went to the cross and they whipped him and by his stripes, we are healed. And they put a scarlet robe on him to represent the deep stain and shame of our lives. You know that stuff you can't get out of your mind from your past? Yeah, that was put on Jesus so the robe of righteousness could be put on you. They put a crown of thorns on his head to represent that the curse of, of humanity was going to be on Jesus so the blessing of God could be on you. Then they nailed him to a cross because someone had to pay for what we did. They put a hard spear into his soft heart so your hard heart could become soft. He said, I thirst, became thirsty so you could be satisfied. He said, my God, why are you forsaking me? He was rejected by the Father so you'll never have to be. And then he said, it is finished. Once and for all. All mankind, all the sins of the earth. And he died and they buried him in a grave. And if all he did was stay buried in the grave, Easter would not be a celebration. It would be a sad, sorrowful, woe is us religious tradition. But that's not what happened. He went to hell so we don't have to. He took the authority back from Satan that we gave to him, rose again from the grave, appeared to the disciples and breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace. Just like God did to Adam in the garden, he breathed on them. They came to life. He restored their identity, reconciled their relationship, redeemed our purpose. And now once again, we can live as beloved sons or daughters, knowing we are wanted, accepted, significant with a heart to create and pioneer and be servant leaders until Jesus returns again. Yes. Jesus is more than enough. He is the most relevant thing in this world. <laughs> and yet we resist it. We don't really believe in it. We don't really believe it for salvation. We especially don't believe it for our daily life. It's why we separate it all the time. And I think there's really four main reasons that we do that. One is we just say, man, I'm good enough. Like we look around at other people and we're like, I'm better than them. <laughs> Congratulations. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one who is righteous, no one. Listen, saying you're better than other people is like a dead person saying to a dead person, I'm less dead than you. <laughs> wow, that's a ribbon we should give out. Here's the deal. You may be better than other people, but without Jesus, you will never be healed, made whole. There will always be something missing. Second reason we resist it is we say, I'm too bad. You say, bro, this Easter preaching, all this stuff, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the secrets that I keep. I don't. But I know Jesus is a friend of sinners. And you can't outrun the love of God. You can't outsin the grace of God. You can't outhide the presence of God. Yes. Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. The third reason is we say, I'm going to get around to it. I'll get there someday, but I just want to have some fun. Like I want to live my life, do my career, kind of do my thing. Okay, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Listen, if Jesus is good enough for eternal life, why is he not good enough for abundant life? If you're going to trust Jesus with tomorrow, what's wrong with trusting him today? Jesus didn't come to make you religious. He came to set you free. 
You can do whatever you want for all of your life and pray a prayer on your deathbed and be like, I'm going to heaven, great. You just lived your entire life in bondage. Congratulations if that's where you wanna go with that. But he says, I wanna set you free and let my grace give you a great marriage and a great life and a free heart and less anxiety and less worry and calm in the storms and all that stuff. And then the last thing is we say, I'm still searching. I don't know about this Jesus guy, I'm still looking. Acts 4.12 says, there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Jesus is more than enough. In fact, that's why we're here today. You're like, no, I'm just here because my friend made me come. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Jesus used your friend to get you here so you would be aware that he is drawing you to himself. You don't have to go and look for him because he just came to find you. Let me pull it all together with this. One day, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God like he always was. And a dad comes to Jesus, desperate and broken. He says, Jesus, my 12-year-old little daughter is dying. Will you please come and heal her? Jesus looks at the dad and he says, okay, I'll come. And so they start on a journey towards the man's house. As they're going, a big crowd develops and a bunch of other people press in. They've got needs, they've got issues and Jesus is kind and he's loving and he's compassionate to them. But you know, the dad wants it to happen now. And as Jesus is loving these people and they're on their way, it's just slower than he wants it to be. Some messengers come from the dad's house and they say, sir, your daughter has died. Leave Jesus alone. And Jesus looks right at the dad and he says, don't be afraid, just believe. So they go to the house. Jesus walks in the house, goes up to the girl's room. She's dead and he reaches down and he takes her by the hand and he says, little girl, I say to you, get up. And she rises from the dead and he gives her back to her dad. That story in and of itself would be profound. Would tell us amazing things about who Jesus is. But you see, I believe that that is a prophetic picture of us. It's a real story that really happened, but it's also a prophetic picture of us. You see, I believe that one day in heaven, the father came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my children are dying. Will you go and help them? Jesus said, I'll go. And as Jesus was getting ready to go, I believe some messengers came from the earth, some angels, and they came and they looked at the father and they said, Father, your children are dead. The wars, the disease, the bombs, the brokenness, the hatred, the discord, the bitterness, your children are dead. Like, don't make Jesus go through all this. Let him stay. And Jesus looked all throughout heaven and he said, don't be afraid, just believe. And he stepped out of heaven, he came into this earth, he walked into your house, walked into your room, reached down his hand and said, little boy, little girl, I say to you, get up. And he brought you back to life and gave you back to the Father. Because Jesus is more than enough. Maybe you've never heard, maybe you forgot, maybe you've never seen, maybe you've lost sight. Jesus didn't come because you are good, he came because he is good. And so here's what we're gonna do together is, is we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna have communion together. So our ushers are gonna get up and they're gonna start passing it out. And we've never done this on Easter before. You say, communion, well, what is that? It's just a cracker and some grape juice. And you say, well, why is it a big deal? Because it's a picture of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus 
that you might be saved and that you might be free. And this is for anyone and everyone who wants to receive the grace of Jesus in their life. And so here's the deal. If this makes you uncomfortable, you don't want to participate, you do not have to participate in any way. We brought the lights down for you. That plate gets to you. You just pass it right along. No one's going to know. No one's going to look. No one's going to say anything. You see, what's happening in this moment is we're just trying to answer that question. Who do you say that I am? And when it gets to you, maybe by faith, you want to say, I want to receive the grace of Jesus. Maybe when you grab that cracker and that little grape juice, you're stopping long enough to acknowledge that Jesus came to find you, to forgive you, to free you, and to fill you. Who is Jesus to you? Maybe you've never believed in Jesus before. Well, maybe today is your day. Maybe you're not sure. Well, then just take a few moments. Just think about that question. Who is Jesus? No expectation to participate. We're just going to sit for a moment. The worship team is going to sing. And if you'll just hold on to it, I'll come back in a moment and we'll take it together. But this is just simply receiving the grace of Jesus for our life today.
this question who do you say that Jesus is but maybe a better question is who does Jesus say that you are you see if Jesus would answer that question to you today he would tell you that you were more than enough for him to come and you are the most relevant thing in his life. I can't change what you think about Jesus, but I can tell you what Jesus thinks about you, that you are more than enough for him to come. And you are the most relevant thing in his life, that you are his everything, because no one dies for something they don't want. That's Easter. That's Jesus. And that's more than enough. You see, on the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, as he was going to the cross, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. He said, I'm gonna be broken so you can be healed, made whole, and be restored. What in your life is broken right now? Maybe it's you, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's something in your body, I don't know, but can we by faith just choose to receive the grace of Jesus that's relevant in this moment? And in the same way Jesus took the cup, he said, this is my blood which is gonna be poured out for you. He said, my blood is gonna be shed so you can be cleansed, so you can be forgiven so you can be free. See, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Notice, he doesn't say, do it and remember what's wrong with you. He said, do it and remember what's right with me. And so what in your life, where in your life do you need the grace of Jesus today? Maybe it's salvation, maybe it's freedom, Maybe it's breakthrough, I don't know. But by faith, can you receive the fullness of the forgiveness and the empowerment of Jesus together? So Jesus, today, we hear you say loud and clear that we were more than enough to come and that we are the most relevant thing in your life. And so we say to you, we believe you are more than enough for us. If the stars are made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow, so will I If the oceans roar your greatness So will I For 
As you speak 